Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. You want to know what's on the show today? Our number one, Eddie Gate. Everything you wanted to know about Eddie Johnson that you were afraid to ask, we break it down. We take it apart. We rip it out. Tribune Gate. Monroe Anderson was in here. We started talking about the Tribunal back in the days of the 70s when Monroe Anderson was one of the few black reporters at the Tribune. And of course, if Monroe's in the studio, sooner or later, we're going to talk about Donald J. Trump. It's our number one of the Ben Jarofsky Show. Go download it now, people. Ben, stop calling our guest boys. <laughs> Your Ben Jarofsky show, hour number two for Wednesday, December 4th, is just moments away. But before <clears> we get into that, we need to thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. It is Wednesday, December 4th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we still got legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson in studio, and we welcome host of Seton and Buchanan, Buchanan and Seton. That's really hard. I don't know why, but it is. He's a team of Buchanan and president slash CEO of Personal Pack, Terry Cosgrove, and now your host. President and CEO of nothing, <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yes, the TV Buchanan, Monroe Anderson in the studio. Always a very popular segment in Ben Jarofsky. You have an update for me, young man? Absolutely, I do. People, feel free to weigh in on the Facebook live stream chat room. People are wondering, what happened to YouTube? Well, I don't want to talk about it, but in a few days, we should. Well, hopefully by tomorrow, we'll be back up on YouTube. Yeah, I'll talk about it. Turns out they got into some issues from uh, videos that were uh, playing on YouTube from 2014 and 2015, the Chicago Sun-Times. Wow, so I did not know that. Rid of that, everything should be good now. So hopefully uh, tomorrow we'll be back up on YouTube. I'm always Correct. the last to know. By the uh, way, it, it looks like my dyslexia is spreading. Yeah, you have it. Uh, you know what he does to me, Atiba? Okay, follow me on this one. I, I don't. We, there's a state senator, uh, Kimberly Lightford. Okay, now I've been struggling with dyslexia my whole life, and there's mayor of the city of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, yes. and so this guy he thinks he's slick. He's always going Lightfoot and Lightfoot, Ben. Uh, not to be confused. And of course, in my mind, now I'm like, oh my god, I'm wrestling with a diva. You know, that's, right. that's why you can't let Dennis know everything about you, right? <laughs> that's correct. But I'm gonna help you out on this. Okay. Think of the mayor as walking, and like Ford as driving. Whoa. Mm. Mm, tricks for Tr dyslexics. Tricks. 
<laughs> oh my goodness! Wow. It's even Buchanan. That's the, and that'll with help that, me. he's earned his check, his pay for the debt. <laughs> <laughs> if I only knew that back in Everson High School, I would have gotten better grades. Man, Every, I was always getting the things wrong, reversing and stuff. Everything else he says today is just great. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap, guys! Stop. Big update here. Uh oh. Following comes from the Chicago Sun Times. Willie Nelson no longer smokes marijuana. <laughs> True. I just can't. He made that up. No. Finally comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. Wow, breaking news. It says here, I've abused my lungs. Willie Nelson says he's puffed his final joint. The country music legend and longtime marijuana legalization activate, uh, advocate, still touring at 86 years old, told San Antonio's television station, KSAT, that for health reasons, he no longer smokes marijuana. Yeah, but is he doing edibles? He, right. sa- he says, I've abused uh, my lungs. Oh, All right. No. Okay. Well, he's getting old. That's, the key oh, word there is smoke. Yeah, yes. Yeah. The key word is smoke, yeah, as yeah. in up in smoke. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and he's getting old. Because I, I can remember six years ago when he said, I finally outlived my D. I, I, he said that? <laughs> he said that. Oh. <laughs> I missed that one. Yeah, right. I know. It's, that's right. a, that was a catcher. Still yeah. no updates as to uh, if Willie Nelson is eating gummies, but we will check in All on right, that. Keep, right? Sometimes we'll keep us up to date. All right. Uh, speaking of up to date, Atiba, Monroe and I have been in the studio, so we've missed the latest uh, of what's going on in Trumpgate. And uh, Donald Trump decided it would be a good idea to uh, uh, extort to force the president of Ukraine, this is my interpretation of things, uh, into calling for an investigation. They didn't even, no, all you had to say, there was going to be an investigation. It didn't even have to be an investigation. They wouldn't get the $400 million if they didn't. It was So that was, you know, the, the, the bribe, if you will, the extortion. So what's the latest? I've been in the studio all day. Okay, so the latest is uh, this, the, the, it's the next phase of the impeachment hearings. This now is being headed by the Senate, uh, excuse me, the House Judiciary committee which is headed by jerry nadler um there's a there's been a lot of reservations behind the scenes as to whether or not jerry nadler was up to the task uh because you know coming out of the Mueller report what he led was a kind of a fiasco and really if nothing else at bare minimum a squandered and missed opportunity and so people have been more you know democrats have been worried you know whether he was up for the task he's up for the task he was he was really in charge today um, yeah, they, he, they, he learned from his mistake. He did. Yeah. They did expect a lot of fireworks today from from this particular committee. It's a much larger committee. It's twice the size of the Intelligence Committee, and it's more political. It, yes. And if, if 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 you're in, if you're a political creature, then you want to be on judicial. Yeah. Spell it out a little bit. What was the mistakes that he learned from, and how was it evident in today's hearing? Well, it's just it it really just comes down to backbone and spine, right? Um, he was just, he was in command. Uh, he was in control, uh, kind of a jerk, but he kind of needed to be a jerk because he's dealing with jerks. Yeah. And, it, and to my disappointment, do you know, Jim Jordan is on that committee too. Yeah. I'm like, what, geez. No, they, well, they brought Jim in. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, for the Intel. Committee. The Republican Jim the Jordan. Republican. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They so, brought right, him. Cause I saw him. I'm like, he's yeah, on this he, committee too. He was mm-hmm. there. No, they, he was their pitch hitter. They okay. wanted him Why because they, they, they uh, because they, they wanted a bulldog. On Intel, because the, the Democrats were getting away with too much of, of putting truth out there and carry it on. So they needed somebody to, to um, smoke it up a little yeah. bit. So we had three constitutional uh, uh, professors on the show today, mm-hmm. on, the, not on the show, on, um, on the committee today mm-hmm. uh, for the Democrats and one for the Republicans. 
And uh, it was it was it was an amazing statement uh, between the three. They they were all in consistent in consensus that uh, Donald Trump basically abused his office of power. What they did today that was probably the most impactful was that although they're constitutional lawyers, they spoke in terms that people could digest and understand. Um, they were very impassioned, but at the same time, these are apolitical people. These are people, while they're speaking for the Democrats, doesn't necessarily mean that they are Democrats. And, you know, and they're, they're, if one of their main values is because they were all professors, mm-hmm. right. the teachers, they could explain things the way you could understand it because they've been doing this most of their careers to students. Exactly. So, so they explained it as they would to, to in teaching class. Exactly. So it was very digestible, unlike the Mueller report. Mm. This was in much simpler terms, easy to understand, easy to digest. And they made it perfectly clear that the president abused his power and that and that the Constitution speaks to that very specific issue. And and more importantly, that it is Congress's job to impeach someone that abuses their power. So that those things they kind of put to bed. And it, and it was really nice to see there. Of course, Republicans uh, tried to respond, but never in substance. Well, before we get to the Republican spot response, mm-hmm. uh, what is the specific charge of abuse of power? What did the president do that? I'd be happy by? to explain. B- bribery. Noah Feldman, he's yeah. the gentleman, uh, he spoke first, and he's from Harvard University. Mm-hmm. And what he basically explained was when you have an abuse of power, uh, 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 you're, you are abusing a power that no one else has. Mm-hmm. And his point was, as the president of the United States, when, he's a, when he is basically leveraging a meeting contingent upon the announcement of an investigation into a political opponent, that in and of itself, hands down, is an abuse of power. Because again, he wasn't doing, and to use that for your self-benefit, benefiting yourself and not for the country, he's abusing his office in a unique way because again, he is solely positioned to use his office in that way. Um, and that's what makes it an abuse of power. So he 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 laid it out in clear, stark terms. Uh, again, he was pretty impassioned, and it, it it was it was just amazing to see. I think, uh, again, I, I mean, I, I'll talk about the fallout of that later. What I what I predict the fallout will be, but mm-hmm. it was amazing to see today. All right, Monroe, and what was the Republican response to that? We need more time. They're doing it too quickly. That's the Republican response, ba- basically. Yes. I forget the gentleman's name. He's popular. What's his name again? Do you remember? Which gentleman? The Republican? Yeah. Jordan? No, no, no. no. He's the... the, 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 Turley. Turley. Oh, Turley. Jonathan Turley. Oh, my God. That law professor from Georgetown? Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So his whole thing Uh was (laughs) moving too fast. Right. And and to quote him, he said, you can't impeach on a paucity of evidence. Wow. He used the word paucity? He did. Dang. And I, guy, Ben Rossi show brought to you by Five Dollar Words. Right. Yeah. And, okay. and again, I, I'm I'm like, wait, does paucity mean preponderance? Because <laughs> wait, because what? I think there's a lot of evidence, right. and he's I mean, he's saying he's he's presenting as if uh, Democrats just have this skeletal case that they're bringing, and it's just not enough. Did he get information. specific about that? Like, not, like, what is it about the Democratic case? It was been paper late? thin. This is what he said that the evidence was was paper thin. That. Um, it was disputed, and and it was was um, not bipartisan. Wait, time out. Let's let's break it down because not 
I mean, you, wait, I, I'm stumbling here over here because I can't believe it. There's inconsistencies with this gentleman's testimony. Follow me in this. Mm -hmm. It's either paucity, which means there's a lack of it, right. uh, has nothing to do with bipartisanship. But bipartisanship, bipartisanship, in other words, like the you either have an abundance of evidence or you don't have an abundance of evidence, whether it's the evidence is coming from a Democrat or Republican is... And again, mind it doesn't you, matter. They, it's significant. You know, they have nothing. The Republicans don't really have okay. a decent defense, so and, they have to go with what they got. And here's what's unfortunate about his testimony today as well. It was very political. The, all the other uh, professors started the Constitution, and then they showed how the connection was there, and then they went back to the Constitution. That's not what he did. He, to Monroe's point, he talked about, well, in prior um, impeachments. There was, you know, there was at least sixty percent, um, you know, uh, approval uh, approval for impeachment in, in the uh, public. Mm -hmm. And he's, you know, he's basically talking about polling as opposed to again connecting it to the Constitution. Mm -hmm. uh, so his 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 arguments were 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 pretty weak. And but that's what we. I mean, I don't know what he could say on substance to defend Donald Trump. I really don't. I don't well, know what he. Well, he said there was no substance, but he didn't point out what the no, no substance, substance was. Right. You know, he just, you know, he just said there was no, but, but he said it very uh, professorial. Oh, so he wait, now, like, okay, he help me out here. Just again, I've been in the bubble. Yeah. So was he called uh, by the Republicans? Yes. So after, so uh, what's his name? Uh, Nadler called these three other professors. Mm -hmm. Were they all sitting together? Yes. Sometimes yes. They, so all four of them? All four of them. We're all sitting there and yeah. like one guy would, and, but, 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 well, oh, here's a picture. Yeah. That's a picture of the three for the Democrats. All right. I see that, everybody. <laughs> They're swearing in. We'll no see. way. Oh, you, know, yeah, you know what was really uh, fascinating, too? What's that? It's because the Republicans were trying to stall the, the, yep. the investigation. Yeah. So they would call for a vote on everything. If somebody, if one of them would challenge it, and then they would, they, you know, it was a procedural thing. So then they would have a roll call. And they would show they get, as as they voted, the cameras would go from one person to the next person to the next. The Democrats had women and men, a lot of women, uh, black people, black people, and an Asian Muslim. Uh, a Muslim. But they they had this with, with the Republicans. It was all men, white men, except for two white women, and that was and it. Now watch this. We I bet you we both learned this. How many Democrats were there? Uh, Twenty-four. How many Republicans? Seventeen. 17 right. That's correct. <laughs> and, and, and 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 the vote and the vote was 20, 24, 17. 17. That's uh, why we know that right, because yeah, they right. had to call out the vote, right, and then right. she had to say the eyes had you know and right. the nays have so many. Yeah. So yeah, we learned then what was what in the room. All right, uh, I'm gonna ask both of you uh, the, what I call the David Ferris question. And uh, he's he's a guest that comes out. I've never had him on with you, Monroe. I really gotta get you on with him sometime. Uh, he's a professor at Roosevelt University and he's a strong advocate uh, for Democrats starting to play hardball like Republicans. And he's, de Democrats yeah. are always losing because they roll over and they pretend the thing was legit. There's yeah. bipartisanship. It's everything yeah. that anybody's rolling their eyes with Joe Biden starts talking about bipartisanship uh, and looking how the Republicans attacked uh, Barack Obama. Anyway, that's David Ferris's argument. So he was on the show Friday, or a week ago Friday, and he said at Tiba Monroe, he said that in his humble opinion, the Democrats should string this out throughout the calendar year 2020. 
forget getting it down, you know, getting it, getting the investigation through, getting the vote. Uh-uh, negatory. I, I, String I, it out so that I in October that. of 2020, right. Donald John Trump's cohorts and acolytes and flunkies are being forced to answer congressional questions about what Donnie knew and when did he know it. And Lord, by the way, if he has six months of investigations, well, they have, we know that you can already. take us some stuff. They, yesterday, uh, they, got, they got the phone records. Well, before we get to the phone record, so here's my question for both of you. If the Republicans are dragging this out with votes here and votes there and and every little thing is procedural, they're following the David Ferris playbook. They're dragging it out. Don't you think the Democrats should play along with it? What do you think? I'm torn, to be honest with you. Um, I, I, I like the expeditious nature with which this is going out. Uh, because it, if nothing else, it, it has finally made the Democrats look assertive, which they haven't looked. I mean, we saw there was really no benefit to Mueller's investigation taking that long to come up with that um, or to be presented that way and then have William Barr circumvent it the way he was able to do. Mm-hmm. However, Americans have short memories. So if this thing is wrapped up in February... Who's even going to be thinking about it come October and November when yeah. it's time to vote? So there is something to be said for your argument in dragging it out, because my fear is unless because he's not going to be impeached. He's not going to be removed from office. The Senate is not going. We, we know this. Well, if or well, you know that yeah, yeah, Monroe exactly. Anderson goes yeah, the other way. Exactly. Yeah, right, exactly. If they do drag it out, which I think is a good idea to drag it out, um, they keep getting more and more witnesses and more and more information. For example, Giuliani right now is in Europe still pursuing the, the um, Biden business. He's trying to uh, dig up anything he exactly. can remotely find exactly. to implicate exactly. Joey Biden or his exactly. son Hunter. Exactly. And he's, he is a wild card. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are nervous about him because they don't know what he's going to do and when. They being the Republicans. The Republicans. And they also and, know what he knows. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, and then there's Lev Pandas, Pandas the, the Russian who um, was, oh my God! Yeah, I yeah. just remembered him. Yeah, yeah right. He's gonna Who, who's already he's going to start cooperating, and he's going to be singing like a like a, a canary. Uh, exactly. So there's a lot more, you know. Plus, you have the, all these court cases. Um, you had a a, um, a a a federal judge uh, rule that Trump's taxes should be exposed, released through um, the German bank. Deutsche Bank. Uh, Deutsche Bank. Mm-hmm. It should be released. And so it's one step short now of the Well, Supreme that's why Court. I'm... I, I, yeah, it's what the... And you think the Supremes are going to... Uh, yeah, re- I think so. You think they're going to find five Supreme Court justices... I, I, I think Roberts is going to be the fifth. Your thoughts on that? In other words, okay, in other words, what Monroe has been saying... Monroe has been predicting against all evidence that the... The Senate will impeach, will vote to uh, impeach Donald Trump. That those Republicans, 17, what do they need? 20. They need 20, you're right, 20. But, uh, well, actually, you know, they may not put him out of office. They may, he, he may get a visit. Oh, they that's the Barry Goldwater yeah, visit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, he's he's going to get the visit. I, I don't. Now, I did, we, Monroe and I have been disagreeing on this for over two years. Uh, what do you think? Do you think that it could possibly? And it, I mean, you just got finished saying there's no way it's going to happen. No. Okay. I, if, I, I just I just don't if, see if it. If it's strung out, if it's if if it's if it's strung out, 
and they keep delivering witnesses with new stuff, it's going to be more and more damaging to those Republicans who are running for office. Well, that's the David Ferris argument. The David Ferris argument is to keep this investigation going. And by the way, Monroe, and it's even, as Monroe was saying, every day something new emerges. Now, this gets to the telephone records. Talk about the telephone. Let me me just, I got to say something here that I think is important. Go. As we look for more and more evidence, and it's possible that, and you're right, I don't, I don't doubt that more and more damning evidence will come out against Trump. Yeah. Here's, here's the reality, though, we have to deal with. Mm-hmm. There is no piece of evidence that will sway Jim Jordan. There is no piece of evidence that will sway Devin Nunes. What I, and and well, when, Nunes I, when I use those names, I mean people like him. In other words, yeah. 40%, 35 to 40% of this country, it doesn't matter what information comes out, they're going to be for the president. If they, if they have a recorded conversation of him saying to, to Zelensky, look, you better, have, you better go ahead and get this investigation, otherwise you're not getting a dime. You know what his, you know what his supporters are going to say? Well, he's the president, so you know, it's, it's his powers. Yeah, In no, other that, words, yeah. it, it, we're only dealing with trying to sway 10 to 15 percent of yes. the electorate yeah, yeah but that's my he's point right. yeah he's right 40 yeah. it doesn't matter but, there is no magic my, evidence you're that's right going to sway he's right them. right he's right no, my point is that as more and more evidence comes out that his his base which is at 42 percent right now once it gets into the 30s um those republicans who now are like watching his back going to throw him under the bus when it when it endangers their reaction mitch will throw him under but the see, bus I, mitch doesn't want to lose the the senate as, i think mitch would lose his job this is what i think well, I and think i'll mitch throw this at you lose his job anyway. all right but rich is running for re-election i believe the republican voters in kentucky would rebel against mitch uh mcconnell if he were to allow to orchestrate uh, an insurrection, if you will, in the Senate against Donald John Trump. Okay. I believe they okay. would turn against him. I, 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 it depends on how it's done, and I think it will be done in such a way that he, he will turn. He will turn. We, we have another factor. The, jo- the, the judge of this um, trial is the Chief Justice Roberts. He's going to be in charge of it. And Roberts is very legacy oriented and he does not want to go down in American history as the guy who screwed all this stuff up. So he's going to, he's going to have a great deal of influence. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to be interesting. He's going to have influence, but any, anything that he, that he rules is still appealable by the Senate. So ultimately, if they if they if the Senate still votes with the Republican advantage that they have, they can you know again yeah. they can negate just about anything. I, and I'm does. with the team on this one. I, I it I, it doesn't even matter in my humble opinion if they get the 67 votes they need uh, to uh, impeach Donald Trump. What matters is the David Ferris point. No, the you 67, put it seven. Yeah, 67, yeah, you put it in people's faces. Right, what right. he did. Right, and and this is what I'm getting at. Every day, there's more of it. So this now the records they broke yesterday about phone records, uh, which I right. there was I read an article. I haven't seen any testimony about it. Uh, Giuliani, they they've got they've got phone records from ATT. Apparently, well, Giuliani also was trying to um, get a side deal in the Ukraine with with a with an oil company. Mm. 
where he's going to be <laughs> making money. Ukrainian yeah. oil. That's yeah, just exactly. going to bring everyone down. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So he was trying to do this side deal. Uh, so he is, he, he is going to jail. So the biggest thing about the phone records, we got two things with that, right? Monroe, we got, we got Rudy Giuliani calling the office of budget and management, right? Which like, the, and this, so it's begging the question, why on earth is the president's personal lawyer calling OMB? Why? For what purpose? And that's the, the and that's the same office for people that don't know that held that that authorized holding up the funding right to Ukraine. Right. Mm-hmm. That's so why is calling. right. So why is Rudy Giuliani calling them repeatedly? Um, and, and you know for for several conversations. And then we also have Devin Nunez, who received a lot of calls from our our criminal. I forget his name. A panda. A panda. The the guy the the Russian. Lev, yeah. Lev. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he there there are phone conversations between the two of them that that he didn't mention during all of this hearing that that he's in charge of and in the last uh, part of the uh, uh, in- inquiry he doesn't mention mm-hmm. his involvement. With this person who's in who's going to jail for their involvement with the Ukraine and Rudy Giuliani, so again he should, he he could have pardoned well, himself. He could have accused himself. He's been indicted. He's, he's been indicted. Yeah, yeah. But he but again he never mentioned it. All right, now we have so we're, the situation is emerging with this new evidence of phone records that link uh, Rudy Giuliani uh, to officials in the Trump administration. Which, to, which, to Trump. To Trump. Basically. To Trump. Okay. There's, uh, a, there's a phone phone number number one. Yes. That they don't, to they to don't, who they don't know. They yeah. think it's Donald Trump. Yeah, it's, uh, it but Donald they do Trump. have specific phone numbers. So you take your time in an investigation. This right. is the David Ferris point of view. Right. I think the guy is really onto something here. So let's start with point number one. All right. Yeah. We do have the Trump records. Yeah. You also have phone calls that Giuliani made, as you said, the, the office of budget management or management budget, you know, me with my dyslexia. Anyway, yeah. uh, so you need to know what Giuliani said to those bureaucrats and right. what those bureaucrats said to him. Right. And if Trump is saying, bureaucrats, you can't testify, mm-hmm. and Trump is saying, Giuliani, you can't testify, and Giuliani, who is not an official, by the way, he's not an official of the United States government, right. he's a private lawyer. Right. So suddenly, how is he above a federal well, subpoena? He, he does have attorney-client privilege. That is legitimate for him as the president's attorney. Jeffrey Tubin made a great point on CNN today, though. He said, while Rudy, while Rudy Giuliani probably does have attorney-client privilege to lean on, that doesn't mean you can't talk to the person in, in the Office of Ma- Budget and Management that talked to him and say, what did well, he say? And, and also, he doesn't have attorney-client privilege because he's been talking about it on the media. Well, that's the other thing. Yeah, he right. waved it. He now, waved that's it. the Jim exactly. Coogan defense. Jim exactly. Coogan has said that before. Exactly. So here's my point. Uh, this gets back to... Do not have, do not send this to the Senate until you've adjudicated the issue of whether Rudy Giuliani has to testify before Congress. I think that's a very, I, I would really. And they may be going that way. They have to go that way, Atiba Buchanan, Monroe Anderson, because th- this is key evidence. Right. So if, if they're going to say, no, we're not going to participate, you have a vote, then, then that, oh boy, Turley's on the TV going, well, you don't have any evidence. Well, you got, okay, let's bring Giuliani in. Well, well no, Giuliani can't testify because he have executive client. Well, uh, that's what, that's the whole thing. That's they, a circular argument. That's a circular. Yeah, right. So and, that's a circular well, argument, right? Why are Democrats? 
Democrats always, always a team of Buchanan. Why are Democrats always suckers and saps to Republicans Be, well, and no, playing their okay, freaking okay, games? Okay, now this is why they are skittish about as taking opposed to this, sucker and saps, right? As to taking this into uh, next year, yeah, is because the election is going on, and. It's a bunch of them are senators. We, we, we lost Harris, but they still have others who, who are senators and who would have to be sitting in the trial as, as, as a jury. Oh, I know what you're saying. Yeah. You're talking about the, the senators, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, which yeah. was sitting in the, uh, instead of running out running for campaign. If you drag this thing out, right? okay, right. The, the ultimate Senate vote won't be, the trial won't be until October. In other words, I come back and, to and this they point. Won't have, and they well, it depends on how long the actual trial takes, but they won't be able to to campaign. And Biden or Mayor Pete will be, Man. be the nominee. And, that, right. and, you know that, what, guys? and that's their thing. I, I got to tell you this. <laughs> I'm just feeling, I'm listening to this. Atiba Monroe, I've been a Democrat my whole life, okay? I'm not going to, oh, I'm an independent. Who am I kidding, Atiba Buchanan? I've never voted Republican. I Once in my entire life did I vote for Republican, and I regret that vote to this day. I voted for Kerry. Bernard Kerry. Yeah. I voted for Bernard Kerry. Yeah, right, right. 1980 over right. Richard Daly. Right, yes, I right, did. Right, right, <laughs> right, Kerry. right. All right, I sit corrected two times <laughs> right. in my life, and I don't regret that vote. I, I, I'm glad I voted for Kerry. But my beloved Democratic Party, these, I mean, they don't play the game hard unless they're playing against each other. They're so tough when they're fighting a bunch of lefties or progressives. Yeah. You know what I mean? But when it comes to Republicans, you got the president of the United States making a completely circular bull BS, didn't say it. Thank you. Argument that on one hand, you got nothing, no evidence against me. And on the other hand, I'm not going to let Give the guy who has the evidence talk, testify. So take him to court. No, we can't. We have to sum this up fast because what? Bernie Sanders won't be able to campaign while we're having it? Forget that. Are you with me or without me on this one, Atiba? Well, I, why okay, would you let now this, get away okay, with this it? Is, this is the argument against dragging it out, is they're afraid, the Democrats, yeah. are afraid that what will happen is that the American public will tire of it and it will become normalized and it will work to Trump's benefit. I, I do not buy that I argument. Don't Most Americans aren't even their, paying attention. That's, yeah. that's why that argument is dumber than the other argument. And it's just like why my beloved Democratic Party loses. Terry Cosgrove, our next guest, he knows what I'm talking about. Dem Republicans play hardball. Right, Democrats yeah. play gin rummy. Oh, there's rules. We wouldn't want to offend the Republicans. Terry I love gin rummy. And, 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 and what the dynamic you're speaking of goes yeah. way before Donald Trump even came into the office. Now, as, you, as you say that, the first thing that comes to my mind is Merrick Garland. I will never, ever forgive the Democrats and Obama to some extent for not standing up harder for that situation. And and so again, that dynamic you speak of is very real. It is very deep seated and unfortunately has a lot of history. And we and, and it only gets compounded with dealing with Donald Trump because we've never seen it. Everything Donald Trump does is so out so outside the norms. Over the top. It's over the top. Yeah, it's over the and top. and we just we have never seen anything like this. I mean, he said on the microphone, Mr. President, what did you hope to gain by asking them to investigate the Bidens? 
I wanted them to investigate the Bidens. Right. I mean, he <laughs> said it. Uh, he said it. And yet Jonathan Turley, uh, looking at the evidence, I see no evidence of right. the evidence. Right. He said it. Mick Mulvaney came on yeah. and said, yes, it was a quid right. pro quo. Get over it. And get it. over it. Right. Get but over I think it. they've said it. See, Rudy Giuliani said it. I mean. And we're sitting. So again, I, I'm with you, man. I, I share your frustration. I, I just, it's just like, I don't know why, you know, I'm loyal to this party because they're they're the closest thing I got. They're the only thing I got, Atiba. Right. What else do I have? You know right. what I'm saying? My good friend Sam Holloway, vote green. I'm not voting green. I'm a, my Democrats where the action is. That's where I can go. Right. And when I see Democrats, that argument, Monroe, which I, I know you're not making it, it's they're making it. Out yeah, of this, yeah. so, but it's so ridiculous. Let's think about it. Let's think, oh, well, the, the public will turn against it. Oh, with the well, most th public's not even paying attention well, yet. Okay, Ben, now, if you'll remember... When your first show, your very first show, where you were on that uh, radio station. The one I got fired from? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, WCPT 820? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where facts when, matter? When you, <laughs> when, when you were on that show, yeah. and yeah. I was your, your, your first, first guest, guest, yeah, I said that he was going to be impeached. Yeah, you did say and that. Then, back then, when it, when it was sacrilege. Yeah, you said it, and I didn't believe it yeah, then. Exactly. <laughs> here we are so, all these years okay, later. So here I am now. Saying that now that we have the impeachment going, let's just play it out. No, I'm with let's, you. Let's I say it play it out, out until October. Because he's gonna be he's gonna be out there campaigning, trying to make himself into a martyr. But with each new piece of evidence, his martyrdom is gonna and drop a little bit. That's what's key. Yeah. That's what's key is that there will continue to be new fresh evidence. Nobody saw these phone records coming. Right. That's mm -hmm. new. For, and so it's going to be more than that. And then here's the other thing Democrats have to their advantage. And plus he's going nuts. He is. Donald Trump is corrupt to his core. Right. And he is unable to stop being corrupt. So even if there, whatever new evidence we see, he's, he's still going to provide more himself I, because he can't help it. Yeah. Democrats. I hope you listen to Atiba. I hope you listen to Monroe. Uh, do not sum sum this thing up fast. You're playing to Donald Trump if you do that. Right. Just like you always play to Donald Trump for once in your life. Show some backbone Democratic Party. All right, we got to bring uh, Terry Cosgrove on. He's got a lot to talk about. Before we go to break, though, we uh, we do have some updates. First off, Donald Trump would like to weigh in on all this. No collusion. Oh, thank you. I just Second of all, <laughs> boy, Atiba, you're really good at this uh, political talking. You do this on Friday nights, right? That's right. Tell us all about it, if you could. On WVON AM 1690, I am the host of the uh, Buchanan and Seton Show. My co-host, Mr. David Seton, is also a friend of the Ben Jarofsky Show. Big time friend. And uh, yes, we air every Friday night from 9 until midnight. We'll be on this Friday talking more of the stuff that we're talking today. We have a really good time, so please join us. Friday nights, 9 until midnight. WVON. They're great people. All right, breaking Thank you. news. This happened about a half hour ago. Uh, ben, real quick, what are your thoughts on John Cullerton? What'd you say? Uh, he's uh, he's well, Cullerton's going to be retiring. Yeah, because he wants January. to spend more time with his family. How good are you feeling about that? hundred percent. I never waver. All politicians when they retire want to spend more time with their family. All as, right, as they should. <laughs> as they should. Oh, breaking news! Breaking news! Good. The following yeah, they comes. only work hundred fifteen days a year, but you know whatever. <laughs> the following comes from the Chicago Sun Times: Mark Brown, Robert Hergeth, Tim Novak, and Lauren. Fitzpatrick, John Cullerton, apparently got backdoor loans 
from a clouded bank. In an unusual transaction, retiring Illinois Senate President John Cullerton obtained a personal loan from a politically connected Chicago bank by using money from his campaign fund as collateral, the Sun-Times mm -hmm. has learned. The deal allowed Cullerton to sidestep campaign finance disclosure requirements <laughs> that would have been triggered if he had barbed. How are you feeling about that? Oh, you, my the time with his family? <laughs> yeah, you know, he went with the grandkids. Yeah, you know, okay. The deal allowed Cullerton to sidestep campaign finance disclosure requirements that would have been triggered if he Ouch. had borrowed or withdrawn the money directly from his <laughs> campaign fund. While Cullerton answered some questions from the Sun-Times about the deal, he declined to make available records of the transaction. The maneuver does not appear to violate Illinois ethics laws mm. based on the information provided by Cullerton. In response to uh, questions, Cullerton confirmed by email he took out a personal line of credit for $75,000 on October 20th, 2014 from Belmont Bank and Trust oh, Company. Belmont Bank. Oh, mm. you like that bank, huh? <laughs> well, I didn't say do that. You bank I there? know that bank. No. You bank there? I most definitely do not. Thank God. Where Cullerton's <laughs> friend and business partner, former state Senator James DeLeo, is a member of the board of directors. James DeLeo. Mm -hmm. Six months earlier, Cullerton had deposited $100,000 in campaign money held by his uh, his citizens for John Cullerton oh, fund Johnny. into a certificate of deposit with the bank. Boy, I wish uh, I, I wish I would have bet steak dinner on this uh, bet. You know, the man wants to spend more time with his grandkids. Don't be cynical, okay? <laughs> It's so cynical. He grew up in Alton, and he's so cynical. But the guy is just so cynical. <laughs> the senator said he used the loan to pay for, quote, oh, family expenditures. There we go. Family stuff. <laughs> but provided no specifics. He says, quote, I complied fully with the law. Any suggestions to the contrary would be false. You got see, Atiba, I just have to tell you Oaks. this, Monroe. Uh, when it, when it Cullerton announced he was stepping down, he said he wanted to spend more time with his family. And so Dennis turned right to me, put me on the spot. Well, Ben, do you think it's really more time with his family or something else? Because, you and, know, Illinois. And, and, right? I, <laughs> and I'm stuck with it. I said, I think he wants to spend more time with his family. So, so Dennis is ribbing you right now. <laughs> that is what he's... Uh. Hey, I go, what man wants to spend more time with his family? He's like 70-something, you know? And I, yeah, more, more, yeah. <laughs> So Man, they took away my press card and everything. My right. cynical card is gone, you know? Wow. Great time yeah. to have Terry Cosgrove in the studio, <laughs> if you ask me. I man. It's almost like when any any politician announces retirement, you should do an investigation. I'm thinking of him and Rick Perry, even Eddie Johnson. Like, the minute they say, yeah, I think I'm done with it, up somehow. Eddie's night out, okay? Don't get me started on Eddie's night right. out. As I said, Ben is pure at heart. I'm pure at heart. Pure. <laughs> Eternal uh, optimist. For, so, for, for those of us who've been around the block once or twice, uh, I uh, yeah, they know a few things. Uh, anyway, Dennis, much younger, far younger than me, was more cynical than I was. All right, Atiba Buchanan, Monroe Anderson, thank you very much. Everybody, check out Atiba's show, Buchanan and Seton, on WVN uh, Friday nights from nine to midnight. Not man, I I was gonna do that. I was gonna go there. Yeah, nine to midnight. We got TC Terry Cosgrove. Get your big pants on, everybody. Big boy pants on. Talking Illinois politics. Talking. Uh, reproductive rights. We'll be right back after this. Today I'm announcing that I terminated Eddie Johnson's employment as superintendent of the Chicago Police Department for cause effective immediately. It has become clear that Mr. Johnson engaged in a series of actions that are intolerable for any leader in a position of trust, particularly the head of the Chicago Police Department.
The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. It's Chicagoland's Adult Entertainment Playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. Hey, did you guys know this program is brought to you in part by Green Element Resale? Well, it is. It's true. It's a fantastic thrift shop. Christmas time, holiday season. If you don't say Christmas, holiday season, right around the corner. And I'm telling you, this Green Element Resale has quite a few uh, things that you could possibly get people for Christmas. I'm looking at a bunch of books right here. Wait, does that say Jeffrey Epstein? No, okay. It doesn't say Jeffrey Epstein. It says Jeffrey Eugendis. Way different person. Eugendis. What's that? Yeah, he's I, he's a good writer, man. You ever read any of his books, DC? No. no. Uh, he's a novelist out of Michigan. Uh, he wrote, what was the name of the book? Oh, man, it was about Detroit. It was really good. I'm blanking on the name of it. Well, this, anyway, sorry. This spot isn't about that guy. It's about Green Element Resale. Oh, my bad, my bad. That's right. They're located at 6241 <laughs> North Broadway Street in Middle Chicago. Middlesex, that's the name of the book. Okay, we're talking about Green Element oh, Resale. Yeah. If that guy wants to pay for ads on the show, sorry, we'll sorry. read them. You're right, you're right. All right? I sit corrected. I'm telling Tracy. No. no. <laughs> Tell her. going to get in trouble, man. Thank God. All right, 6241 North Broadway Street in Chicago is the address of Green Element Resale. They're open from 11 a.m. until 7 p.m. Mondays through Saturdays. Sundays, 12 until 7 p.m. Right now, I'm at GreenElementResale.com. You could do the same. Go check it out. And they post pictures on GreenElementResale.com. And I'm going to look at some of these pictures just to give you an idea of uh, maybe look for some good potential Christmas gifts or holiday gifts. Sorry if you don't say Christmas. Oh, we got a calendar. Is it a 2020 calendar? I don't know. Yeah. But it's a pretty cool-looking calendar. Okay. You can get a calendar at Green Element Resale. I need a calendar. You too. Yeah, I, this one. I, I need... I'm all out. Oh, all right. Well, oh, oh, that's a couch cushion. Wait. Followed by a couch. Oh, my goodness. That's a couch at Green Element Resale. If you know someone that needs a couch, head over to Green Element Resale. <laughs> GreenElementResale.com. 6241 North Broadway in Chicago. Right between Devon and Granville. I actually... Walk by it all the time, and they have a nice van that they could possibly deliver stuff to you. So, Green Element Resale, go check it out. It's awesome. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, Terry Cosgrove is in the studio, and he just gave me something that is like uh, giving reefer to uh, Willie Nelson back in the day. Uh, I'm... And did you hear what he's saying? It destroyed his lungs this yeah, morning? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. We, we did that before oh, he got did? here. We okay. did a, a, a breaking okay. news story. Still waiting to see if he's eating gummies. Yeah, because he, he made the distinction. He goes, I'm giving up smoking marijuana. He didn't oh. say anything about eating edibles. Okay. And as Dennis can tell you, eating edibles can really get you high. Uh, and <laughs> you got any edibles, Terry? <laughs> it's going to be legal January 1st, Terry, so you don't have to uh, act like you don't smoke. Uh, and um, I don't, actually. You do not. I know. He I, he is. Uh, I, you, you know, do I don't. barely have a I mean, I have a glass of wine like once every three months. What? That's my. When and you, except when I go out of the country, when I go like to Paris or 
I think or, when when you did the reader show, yeah. um, were you drinking that night? I can't remember. No, you didn't have anything. No, no. I'm we not did the a, reader show at a bar. It's usually, yeah, it's usually over a meal or something, and that's it. Yeah, I, he's. I had my first drink when I was 36 years old. Good you know? God. Yeah, I just had never any. You know, I, I I lived the dream. I didn't want to mess it up. Yeah, that's like that movie, any, The 40 Year Old Virgin. Yeah. <laughs> 37. <laughs> well, he's like, screw this. I, <laughs> I I'm gonna put it out there. I'm not much of a, a drinker either. As Dennis makes fun of me all the time because I don't drink much. Oh, but. yeah, I make funny because you don't drink alcohol. <laughs> uh, but last night at the hideout, uh, it, I just, they give us tickets. The hideout, ticket. where's that? Yeah, yeah, the hideout, where's the hideout? Oh, right, because right, he's never been invited. Oh, right. God, I'm going to hear about that. Fun. Wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. We may have Willie Gate, Uh-oh. possibly. Okay. The following comes <laughs> from vice.com. Uh-huh. It says, relax, Willie Nelson has not quit weed. The 86-year-old country icon may no longer be smoking cannabis, but he's definitely still getting high. Come Uh-oh. on, man. I knew he's eating those about. edibles. <laughs> Last week, country legend Willie Nelson played two shows at San Antonio's Majestic Theater and gave an interview to a local news station about touring life and his career-long love affair with cannabis, yada, yada, yada. In the chat, he said, I've abused my lungs quite a bit. Uh, let's see here. We talked about that earlier on its face. This is shocking news from a guy who once smoked weed on the roof of the White House with Jimmy Carter's son. Oh, my God. Vice, get to the point. Yeah, get to the point, man. He's still eating the edibles. We all know that. I told you that when you read me the story. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm got to here in front of us. Edibles, that. capsules, tinctures, and other non-smokable items. So, in other words, he's still getting high. All right. Good for you, William uh, Nelson. Uh, more power to you. All right. Uh, Terry Cosgrove, as everybody knows, who listens to the show, is one of the foremost authorities on politics in the state of Illinois. Uh, he's the president of Personal PAC, the leading uh, reproductive rights PAC in the state of Illinois. I'd say one of the top in the country. That's correct. Uh, thank you, uh, Robert Mueller. And uh, what Terry dropped in uh, my lap uh, when he walked into the studio was a list of all the candidates. <laughs> this is just junky happened for me. I'm going to do everything I can, Terry Cosgrove, to concentrate on an interview and not look. Because I haven't I seen this list. I know, and I should have given it to you. But I worked on it all the way up until I walked out of the office. And uh, So these are all the people who filed to run. For, right, for the, the Illinois House and Senate, I did in the primary of March of se- March seventeenth right, of right, twenty twenty, right. uh, and uh, so there are a lot of candidates, and um, in the balance of power, there's a lot of reproductive rights bills uh, that could be either passed or rejected, etc. If enough of these candidates win, so we'll get in uh, to all of that. But I have to put you in the hot seat here. You walked in, you heard the tail end of our conversation. You've been following politics a long time. You've been known to play hardball from time to time, as Bush mm-hmm. Ronner is crying right now to say. Uh, what TC did to Ronner in 2018 was how, in my humble opinion, Democrats should behave when it comes to Republicans, all right? Now, Terry dedicates his life to the issue of reproductive rights, so he's not going to do this, let's say, on like rent control. I'm just throwing out an issue that is on my mind. But rent control advocates, you may learn a thing or two from Terry Cosgrove, how he plays the game. In your humble opinion, should the Democrats in Congress drag this impeachment inquiry into Donald John Trump uh, all the way up into the door of the uh, the eve of the election? Or should they sum it up really fast to get it over with? Because for whatever reason, your humble opinion, which way should they go? Well, I think they have a constitutional obligation to carry out the impeachment process. And the timing is, um, I mean, I th- there's something they have to consider here because as you and I have talked about for the last year over this whole thing, they need to bring the American public around to make it, and whether it's influences the election in next November or whether it's to follow their constitutional um, 
mandate, it's still important to bring the American public around to what they're doing because this is a democracy and people have to feel like the process is fair. So I think there's a balance there. I, I know you're looking for a black and white answer. Always. But, <laughs> but, but I think this is a great, you know, I was, yeah. um, I'm, I'm sure I'm a little older than you are. But Not much. I re- but I remember two the, years. Rachel Madge, Maddow was talking the other yeah. day how she was like an infant and her mother was feeding her and watching the Nixon impeachment hearings. I remember that. I was in college. I remember yeah. all of us around the the TV and the radio and and uh, when they've been talking about the Nixon hearings, all these names have been you know popping up and I have to smile and laugh because I know who they are. So we were educated about what was going on, and I think it's really important. This is a civics lesson for the American public, and I think it's a good it's it's a good process. I my fear is about rushing it is that people aren't going to understand the gravity and the constitutional connection and 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 why Trump was wrong because people are so divided. And I think there's a there's a group of people in the country that that need to be educated about this and what the facts are and what the Constitution says. I listened to I was coming from a meeting this morning, and I heard like twenty minutes of the lawyer of the professors that were. Oh I yeah, mm-hmm. and it was fascinating. Yeah. I mean, the, what they had to say about the Constitution, I had no idea that, for example, as an American that needs to be educated, that the that there was no such thing as bribery in the federal statutes until 60 years after the Constitution was written. In other words, there was no federal bribery charges. So the definition of bribery in the Constitution means what the Democrats are calling it. It doesn't have to be a, it's not a legal definition. The Constitution was, wasn't was meant that bribery be. So that's just one example. I learned that in my, you know, in my car today on yeah. the way from a meeting. And so there's a lot of, and I'm sure I wasn't the only one that, that found that well, educational. On, I, I, I'm with you on that, and I yeah. and I am uh, like you, uh, Terry and I. Are, I mean, I'm just gonna throw it out. We're both nerds uh, when it comes to politics. So this kind of no. stuff. <laughs> this kind of stuff. Like we we talk in a fall for an hour about stuff like this sometimes. <laughs> so, I mean, this is our bread and butter, and we we thrive on it. And I do love it when people can explain it. Uh, like these professors really articulate right. it, and you can understand it. Uh, but. The compelling point that is sinking home in my brain right now, yeah. Terry, and I, I had when I was talking to Atiba and Monroe, is that if the Repu- the Democrat, if you really want to teach Americans about the Constitution and uh, the rights of the public as opposed to the rights of an individual, uh, in the, this case, the individual being the President of the United States, and the whole issue of due process, and the whole issue of abuse of power, and the whole issue of who's above the law then we really should adjudicate the issue of whether Rudy Giuliani and other White House aides can be compelled, to, can be forced, subpoenaed to testify. Donald Trump is saying, no, they're above the law. I believe that's a very legitimate constitutional issue, and the Democrats owe it to us to allow the Supreme Court. It's going to go all the way to the Supremes, Terry. Right. You know no, as well I know as I it do. Is. Yeah, absolutely. But they can't speed that up. The Supreme Court's on its schedule that it's on it, and you and it's... It's going to be what it's going to be. So I think they're caught between a rock and a hard place. They have to proceed with the information they have. And just as your previous guests were saying, and when the report came out last night, there was talk about all of a sudden there's all these phone records with with Nunes. And so I think this is like peeling the onion here. The more people that testify, the more information that comes out, it's going to reveal that there's more information that is going to lead to um, 
more facts as to why absolutely and i know should be impeached i got a feeling in about four months you and i will be having a conversation on it which way we think uh uh kavanaugh and uh the oh boy i can't remember his other name the other one that uh that uh that, that Trump put on the Supremes, I just blanked on his name. His mother worked for the EPA. Uh, it, which one, will those two puppets go for Trump? And you know, right. and how will they vote on this whole, whole right. issue? Um, can't believe I blanked on his name. It's a sign of age, uh, yes. Terry. All right, uh, let's get down to Illinois politics. I have a list. I'll let, I'll let you uh, lead me on this. Uh, Where do you want to start with okay. the Senate or the House as to some of the important races uh, that uh, people should know start about? Start with the Senate because it's one page. Okay, <laughs> okay, that's easy. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's highlight some of the interesting races. You have check marks next yeah. to them. Tell and, me uh, uh, which ones are and interesting. And I checked following. them for uh, for various reasons. Go ahead. And the first one is. Uh, Tony, and also it has my slant on it, as you might have Go ahead. It's, I'm, it's, I'm not an objective reporter here. So. Uh, that's fine. Yeah. That, so, we all know that. At least yeah. you're honest about yeah. it. Go yeah. ahead. Uh, Tony Munoz is uh, has been a longtime senator, pro-choice senator, and he's he has a challenge uh, in his race from, uh, and that, that's just one to watch. I think it's going to be very highly contested, and uh, and one to watch will be with Tony, obviously, because he's a pro-choice incumbent. In the uh, and to, just so people know, Tony Munoz is a Southwest Side senator, uh, very close uh, to the Ed Burke uh, political uh, empire on that side of town. And that's what Terry, it's like embedded in what you were saying. That's why he's in trouble because the Burke brand name is not exactly a potent brand right, name these days. Right. And, so, uh, and I think he has distanced himself from all of that. And, um, and see, I'm being educated right now. It's, uh, <laughs> um, um, and the next one that yeah. I've highlighted is uh, the 10th, uh, which is an open Senate seat and uh, State Representative Robert Martwick um, moved over from his House seat to uh, to the Senate. And now that is a contested uh, Democratic primary, as you can see, between uh, two candidates, uh, Daniel O'Toole and, and uh, Martwick. And then the Republican, Anthony Beckman, is, doesn't really have a shot at the race, but... All right, now I happen to be a big fan of Rob Martwick. He's come Me on too. my show many times. He's great. Uh, he's really smart about Illinois politics, and he's not afraid to answer any freaking question I throw at him, yeah. so I respect him. Uh, he, As you said, he was a state rep for years. Uh, there was a, a vacancy. I can't believe I can do this, uh, Terry. I can't remember. Uh, Soder, or what, whatever the name, not David Soder. They, I can't remember the name of the Supreme Court justice that... Uh, a Trump appointed Neil Gorsuch. Thank of course. How did you know that, Frank? Thanks, Frank. Uh, my man, Frank. Oh, uh, I just went dead. Oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. Uh, but I do remember that uh, Martwick filled a vacancy created when his predecessor became a judge, right. uh, and so as a result, he has to, he's running. We, we John Morrow. Very good. Thank you. TC knows his stuff. Um, so Martwick is a. It's my job. A, a, a good. That's correct. He's a solid voter, reproductive rights. Yes, yes. He's a leader. He's co-sponsored all of our bills. He's really strong, and we're glad to see him go to the Senate. And then when we get to the House, that has triggered an intense primary for his House seat. We'll yeah. get to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. And so the go ahead, going down yeah. the list. So the next one is Robert Peters, um, I think probably one of the youngest members of the General Assembly, and he took over when... Uh, you can do this. When our attorney general, very good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Rami Raul, I know. I can't believe I'm put on the spot like this. I don't have any. 
I usually have crib notes. When I, <laughs> yes, and nothing, I have, ladies and gentlemen. No, I'm flying. Yeah. And God, if I get something wrong or forget I, a name. It's we got Frank listening. He, He's at a computer. So oh, good. Okay, Frank, you take care of us. So uh, when Kwame won the AG state, Robert Peters was appointed, and he um, he's really been an, an amazing leader. I mean, he's part of the next generation and uh, on all the issues that we care about. And uh, he is- uh, A big he Bernie is, Sanders supporter, I should point that out. Was he really? He is. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yes, okay. he is. I believe, Dennis, Still? am I quoting him correctly? He is Bernie Sanders, like the chair of the Bernie Sanders campaign in Illinois. He's I know he's a delegate, that's for a sure. Delegate, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, he's a big, big fan. He's been on the show a couple times, okay. Robert Peters. Mm -hmm. Good, good, so you know him. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah really solid, uh, great, and we're gonna be with him a thousand percent. I mean, he's done a great job in the General Assembly. And 22, Christina Castro uh, is running for re-election. That's an Elgin seat, and she's wonderful too, another pro-choice leader. Um, I don't know anything about the challenger. Okay. And we'll find out. Now, you know, I want to put a little caveat Go ahead. on this. Um, mm -hmm. Monday was the candidate. We'll do a little uh, politics history here, politics 101 lesson. So 5 p.m. on Monday was the deadline for the candidates to file. Mm -hmm. Starting uh, on Tuesday, or is it? Yeah, n now we're in the challenge period. So, so what's happening is that people that are trying to challenge uh, people off the petition are going to file um, are going to file complaints with the state board of elections, claiming that certain people didn't get enough signatures to qualify for the ballot. So that's the period we're in. So what this looks like come January one may be very different than what we're looking at right now. A valid so, point. Yeah. We could so, be candidates who filed who are actually not on the ballot because they're bounced right. off of one by exactly. or another. Yeah. And or other, th you know, residency is another one that's been an issue in the past. That's so. It should have been an issue with a certain mayoral candidate in 2011 by the right. name of Rahm Emanuel. <laughs> it's funny how he got to stay yeah. on the ballot, Terry, but that's ancient history. Uh, all right. He uh, won so the court case. He won the court case. We are that we're is, we're uh, a country of laws that and is rules. Correct. Take a chill pill, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving on the okay, list. Okay. Okay. The next one is the 40th uh, uh, district, which was vacated by one of the Ben Jarowski show's favorite guests, even yes. more favorite than me, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, there's probably a lot of them, but no. I know this one is there. <laughs> Toy Hutchinson. Toy Hutchinson. Toy one of my favorites. She, um, there was an appointment for the seat, Patrick Joyce, uh, who's running, as you can see, there's a bunch of other people. Uh, Patrick Joyce has submitted a perfect questionnaire to personal PAC. So we're perfect. Very, we're very happy about that. How can it be perfect? That's like Donald Trump phone call. Like, that phone call was perfect. The questionnaire is perfect in every way. That's the <laughs> now, this is let's just no, take a, I, let's take a moment to educate people about how yeah, this works yeah. because this became an issue when Bruce Rauner uh, submitted a quote unquote perfect right. uh, <laughs> questionnaire response uh, to personal PAC. So to uh, help people out, it's not just personal PAC, but it's uh, political organizations throughout the state send out questionnaires. T tell people about the process. Yeah, the process is when someone uh, is appointed to an office or decides to run for office, or even if I hear a rumor that someone's running for office, we um, I send them a copy of our 2020, in this case, 2020 General Assembly candidate questionnaire and ask them to return it as soon as possible. And sometimes they have questions. I encourage people to uh, to ask questions. As I told a candidate yesterday, I have no intention of running for the General Assembly, but if I ever did, I'd have to be go on my knees begging the Illinois Asphalt Association to educate me about roads, because I know nothing about asphalt. So we never want to assume that people know all the, um, all the various issues that are attached to reproductive rights. So 
keep a very open mind because people have legitimate questions and we don't want to scare them at the front of end of it. You know, they'll come later, but, um, so <laughs> as Bruce Ronner learned. <laughs> and, and so the questionnaire is they, you know, we ask them in the end when they submit it finally, after they ask their questions, so a lot of people have no questions. They, they're hundred percent pro-choice. They sign it and submit it. And, um, and we, and the board of directors, I don't make endorsements. The personal pack board of directors makes the endorsements. They review the questionnaires. Then the second step after the questionnaire in almost all cases is a personal interview. So we are bringing candidates in all day on January 7th and January 13th to all candidates are invited. No, um, candidates that are, uh, in races that, uh, that we're concerned about and mm -hmm. that we're, no, there'll, there'll be a bunch of candidates we won't invite for an interview because they're, it, and we try to divide up the, now we're focusing on the primary election candidates. So we probably won't get around to inviting any people that will be look. we'll start that process all over on March 18th, the day after the primary. And the reason why Bruce yeah. Rauner's uh, response was so important is because of the fight over HB 40, uh, Bruce Rauner is a candidate was championing many of the uh, uh, reproductive rights that you do, and then he flip-flopped, and so you had right. his... Yeah, we take the questionnaire very seriously. Mm -hmm. we, it's, um, they sign it, they date it, and it says original signature only, and by doing that, they're stating this is, um, you know, these are their positions on the issues, and we're not the only ones that do it. I mean, labor does it, environmental groups do it, the GPAC, uh, gun violence prevention pack. I mean, the nurses, the trial lawyers. I mean, everyone. And the other that. side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other side, the, yeah. the right wing does yeah, it as well. The compulsory pregnancy people do it. Yeah. The, so, um, so the compulsory pregnancy people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what they are. Yes. Compulsory pregnancy for all women under all circumstances for all time. Mm -hmm. That's their. That's who they are. That should be their uh, moniker, but they they don't like saying that. So how do they phrase it? Pro life. Uh, yeah, pro life. Which is like the. They're the, pro-life until yeah. the, the baby is, is born. out actually in the yeah. world, out of the womb mm -hmm. and in the world. Not so pro-life then. No, no, not at all. It doesn't need to eat. It doesn't need a roof yeah. over its head. It should yeah. get a job right away. Job yeah. right away. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> you're already six months old. Get to work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sub-minimum wage because you're under 18. That, yeah, right? that, yeah. Or under 16, whatever it is. Uh, and uh, so, all right, so this is, a now is everybody running for toy seat, uh, pro-choice as far as you know uh, i don't know i, I mean this know. is look mm -hmm. at this list here i mean list, i don't yeah. even know who these other people are i mean I've, I've never heard of them so um i mean not all of them i know some of them but um so we'll just have to wait and see okay what and kind then, of yeah and, and it is i mean it is just, i know toy is very happy to have her new job uh she's the cannabis czar uh, yeah. she's in charge of reefer in the state of illinois uh great job and yeah. but uh, she was also a powerful voice on so many fronts uh, in the states, whoa! So anyway, that's uh, toy, it, toy weighing in, and uh, man, Toy Hutchinson on the issue of pro-choice. Yeah, she came up. She's been on the show so many times talking about that issue, and she's so so strong and so unbending, doesn't blink. And well, she's got a great way to present it. I yeah. mean, as an African American woman, and you know, she's just done an amazing job. So we're looking forward to uh, filling that seat with someone that is. Uh, that will vote the same way she will and hopefully be as articulate. All right, so uh, then there's you have another one race here that's checked off. Which one is this? Uh, 49, mm -hmm. which is Jennifer Bertino Tarrant, is the Democrat, mm -hmm. anti-choice Democrat. She's never voted pro-choice once in her life. She's really, uh, 
I'll just leave it there. Okay. Um, she is running for Will County Executive, and so that's an open Senate seat in the 49th District, which is basically Will County. So uh, we are looking forward to replacing her with uh, uh, with a uh, pro-choice senator there. And there's three, let me see, one, two, three Democrats running there. So um, I don't know anything about any of them right now, but uh, we will find out. Okay. Yeah. All right, some investigation needed there. Right. Uh, that's an interesting race. Yeah. Uh, will the Democratic Party elect another uh, Daniel Lipinski-style uh, anti-choicer? Right. And that's what she—that—that's what Bertino Tarrant was. I mean, it was really—it um, was—it was horrible to have to deal with her in the General Assembly. Uh, uh, those comments are by Terry Cosgrove. Right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the views and opinions yeah. of Terry Cosgrove. So I wanted to throw her to her uh, <laughs> her retirement party. Okay, uh, yeah. uh, that'll be so, a personal pack party. We'll yeah, all be invited yeah, to. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get to these house. Then uh, in the houses, a lot of action in the house. Yeah, and I did some of the big races. You know, I only uh, I only ticked off some that I thought you would be interested in. Okay. Also, uh, races that uh, that um, I know somewhat about. And okay. so we'll start with the. Aaron Ortiz is the incumbent legislator. Mm -hmm. uh, was a Chewy Garcia back candidate, yeah. and uh, Alicia Martinez is coming out of the Burke organization. So uh, we're going to obviously be with uh, Ortiz. Uh, he's a hundred percent pro-choice, sponsor of all of our bills in the second district. Teresa Ma uh, won uh, that seat uh, two years ago, four years ago. I can't remember. I want to say it was. 2016. You're right. That she won right, that seat. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, In she was the not. Chinatown area, uh, yeah, near South yeah. Side, Pilsen mm -hmm. around there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, she um, she defeated the. Uh, oh, God. I can't, the, I can't remember the name of the. This Acevedo. Acevedo. Yes. Acevedo. Uh, uh, yes. Who was really a, was a good. The kid was a good guy. You know, he was 100% pro-choice. and Again, and then this yeah. is very important to people right. hear this. And Terry Cosgrove and I have had this discussion many times on air and off air. Personal PAC is about reproductive rights. Right. And so Terry Cosgrove has his own personal opinion, which I've been allowed to hear bits and pieces of it from time to time right. on a lot of wide, yeah. a wide range of issues. But your focus with personal PAC is reproductive rights. Right. So if there's an incumbent who's pro-choice, and they've been with you in all these fights, you're sticking with them, you're loyal. We are with Teresa Ma, 100%, 1,000%. She's been a leader on our issue in Springfield, and there's nothing that we won't do to help her get reelected. And but if, on a, conversely, if there's a candidate who uh, is a little weak on this issue, I can think of an, a certain alderman on the north side of Chicago who I, suddenly I can just see Terry Cosgrove does not play, okay? Right. So that's his issue, and he, you don't apologize for it, No, TC. no, not at all. Either you're pro-choice or you're not. It's yeah. pro-choice or no choice. I'm not even going to talk about the 3rd District because this has gotten so much uh, oh, yeah. press. Mm -hmm. yeah. so. The 3rd District, of course, is the one where uh, Louis Arroyo was the state rep from. Uh, he stepped down after getting in trouble uh, for allegedly... I, like the word allegedly there, D, uh, for allegedly giving a bribe or offering a bribe to... Oh, a royal game. Yeah, a royal, royal game. game. We talked a lot about that. And so there's a whole array of people. You're going to have to take the deep dive into this one, uh, Terry, because there's one, two, three, four candidates running now. Yes. I bet you at least three of them will be challenged. Uh, the petitions will be challenged. Right. I really don't know what's going on. I mean, they're, this is tied up in legal and, uh, and all kinds of things. So we will, I mean, our 
desire here will be to make sure that every single one of them is 100% pro-choice and whoever wins until we have more information. Mm -hmm. It's Got it. Okay, yeah. moving on. Yeah, the next one is the ninth, and mm -hmm. this is uh, our Turner Jr., who has been in um, house leadership for a long time, so I think surprised a lot of people by retiring and as you can see this is a hotly contested race um and this is one that we want to replace our turner with a hundred percent pro-choice leader like he was and i really don't know that much about many of the candidates that are running here so it's a wait and see well we have to dig to the bottom of it get questionnaires back and uh and decide what uh, if anything needs to be done there. So, important so, race. You know, Poor Art Turner yeah. was a leader in the House. He was. Yeah. And uh, so this is sort of like Toy Hutchinson, an important person leaving the House. Who are you going to fill that spot with? Right. Uh, right. It, it, it's symbolically, if nothing else, it's it's a, a significant race. Right. All right, right. moving on. And the other, the next one is, gonna, is also getting a lot of attention. This is uh, Omar Williams is the appointed state rep when Melissa Conyers Irvin went to ah. be the city treasurer. Yep. And uh, Omar Williams was appointed. He's 100% pro-choice. He voted for the RHA, and you know that's also Walter Burnett's uh, son, and is part of that political area there. So, uh, and I don't know anything about the two other people that have filed, but we're definitely going to be with uh, Omar Williams. Yeah. All right, and here uh, you have the 12th. Ah, the 12th. Wow. Uh, uh, talk about the 12th. Well. Um, Sarah Feigenholz is... First of all, it's North Lakefront. It's North Lakefront, yes. Mm -hmm. yeah, the, uh, anchored in the 44th Ward with part of the 46th Ward, and I know there's I, there's a bit of the 43rd Ward in there, too. Okay. Sarah Feigenholz is, uh, <clears throat> is, seems to be uh, the person who will be appointed to fill Senator or President John mm -hmm. Cullerton's seat, and that will leave an open district here, and a lot of people have filed for it. Um, but she has not yet been appointed. No, because he's not retiring until the 18th or 19th of January. Uh, and then that will trigger the uh, the opening. And then the committee people will have 30 days, I think, to make the appointment. I wow. think it will happen rather quickly. Chicago politics is no joke. Right. right. Uh, and so somebody will be slated. Somebody will be given that nod, which is very interesting because uh, then they could run as an incumbent. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and that's and that's the way it is. That's the way the yeah. law is. I'm not arguing one way or another for it. Um, it's just the way it is. And uh, so, do you know any of these candidates? Yeah, I know There's most a, of them okay. actually. All right, so yeah, uh, I presume, or I know of them. I cannot believe that there yeah. is a anti-choice candidate running in one of the most liberal uh, lakefront districts in the city of Chicago. And I have to agree with you, so okay. I'm not worried about it really. All right, um, so. Uh, yeah. Uh, very good. So yeah. Sarah Feigenholz is moving on up, yeah. as they say uh, on the Jeffersons. Right. Uh, all right. So, uh, the, the, but that'll be a one. He to one. I'm sure there'll be a lot of money spent uh, in that district. <laughs> there could be. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like yeah. front district. Right. All right. And this one's huge. 16. Yes. Yes. Talk so, about the 16. Uh, you, you heal Kalish is the incumbent state representative who told everyone in the world, including the sponsors of the RHA and me and the ACLU and Planned Parenthood, and stood up in Democratic caucus said he was voting for it and then he ended up not voting for it and basically lied to everyone so um that is going to be a spirited race and denise stoneback is the progressive candidate that is uh is being backed by uh 
uh, almost unanimously in the district. So um, there was a third person running as yeah, well. You know, yeah. I, yes, I do. I am that this is kind of curious because Kevin, there was a progressive group that um, met that included uh, Senator Daniel Biss, uh, 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 me, um, teachers. Uh, there were like sixteen of us in the room, uh, including. And it was Biss, it was uh, it was Deb Shore, it was a bunch of people that all had an interest. That's the most diverse district in the state, actually, mm-hmm. is the 16th, Skokie, Lincolnwood, a part of the 50th Ward. And Kevin was one of the people that interviewed. There were like six or seven of them. And every single person that, Lou Lang was doing his own process as the Niles Township Democratic Committee person. And then we were meeting to kind of help, help Lou out and just, you know, interview people and make sure that we got a progressive person. And Kevin was one of the people in every single candidate that we interviewed, we asked them if they were not chosen by this group to be, you know, to run, uh, would they not run? And he said, absolutely, he would not run if he was not chosen by the group. And now he's running. So apparently he has the same uh, moral <laughs> character as Kalish does. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, the twin liars in the district, I guess you could call them. So Denise Stoneback is gonna uh, is gonna run a vigorous campaign, and I encourage everyone in Lincolnwood, Skokie, and the 50th Ward that's uh, listening to the show that lives in that district to get involved on behalf of Denise's campaign. It's really important that someone. I mean, Kalish also uh, was a sponsor of um, of a bill that would not allow conceal and carry in religious institutions, mosques, temples, churches. And he killed his own bill when the NRA came to him and told him they didn't like the bill. Mm. So, Yeah, no, this is an important race for uh, progressives of the north side variety. And uh, I know Louis Lang, State Representative Lou Lang, is a little embarrassed by this because Kalish, he was the one who's... Uh, Kalish lied to him. Yeah. You know, Lou... You know, Lou questioned him uh, very, very carefully on the choice issue. And he, Lou was lied to, just like he lied to everyone else. He, yeah, so this is one that the the uh, progressive Dems are going to want to win back. Uh, and so this, yeah. we'll be watching that one very uh, carefully. And then, of course, there's a, a heated battle in the 19th. Which is Mark Wick's Mark Wick's seat. Yeah, yeah, that's what you were yeah. alluding to. Yeah, and uh, Lindsay LaPointe was appointed to the seat. And she's really, she's amazing. She's a wonderful progressive. Uh, we've interviewed her. Uh, she's a sponsor co-sponsor of one of our important bills in Springfield this session so uh you know we're going to be with her she's a pro-choice incumbent uh really like her a lot uh adding another woman a progressive woman to the Illinois House Caucus is wonderful we want to keep that going so all right that's the 19th and then moving on the 20th uh the McAuliffe dynasty has come oh, to my an end wow yeah so uh talk we, about tell tell people who McAuliffe is well, Roger was his father, mm-hmm. uh, who was in the General Assembly for, what, 20 years or yes, something? Yes, forever. Yeah, and then uh, his he retired, and then his son, Mike McAuliffe, took over, and uh, the last remaining Republican in the city of Chicago, and also very right-wing, too, mm-hmm. um, 100% anti-choice. I um, want to say, and, don't quote me on this, and, that they named the motor vehicle uh, 
location uh, on uh, bureau on Elston for Roma McCullough. I want to say is, that is Frank checking this. Uh, okay. I I wanted Dennis was looking at me with that blank look like I don't know. We, we Frank, only, where at? We we rode by our bikes by it a million times uh, in the old days when we used to take bike rides together really? to really? the uh, old okay. station. I can't remember the name of it, but anyway. Uh, so yeah, this is a big st- the the McCulloughs. Yeah. The Republicans have held on to this. Now, have any of these Republicans ever been pro-choice? No. No, they have not. And Brad Stevens is was the, who is the mayor of Rosemont um, was appointed to the seat when McAuliffe retired about six months ago. I think it was five months ago. Just out of nowhere, announced he was uh, not only was he not running for re-election, but he was retiring. Um, and so this is a wide open seat. Uh, Brad Stevens seems to be running for re-election. He filed, and there are two candidates that are running. I don't know much about either of them. I will find out, though, okay. but, uh, Michelle Darbo. And then, of course, Carrie Caparelli is from the Caparelli family, which is a Northwest Side, uh, another family. Been around for a while. Yeah. Yeah, there's Carrie Caparelli. So, uh, yeah, you'll be following this one closely. Uh, it's kind of the Republicans have held on to this seat for all these years because Northwest Side Democrats and Republicans are always cutting deals, mm-hmm. uh, and the, the Democrats will agree to support the Republican and look the other way uh, when the Republican votes like a Republican, etc. And the Republicans will support Democrats on issues like when, whatever Mayor Daley wanted back in the day. So uh, this is one of these games of political footsie in the Northwest side that have annoyed yeah. me forever. Yeah, it's like there was this 25-year truce, and it fell apart. I'm trying to—Walter Dudich was the one who brought it. State Senator Walter Dudich. State Senator Dudich. Walter Dudich. In fact, I think it was— Rob Martwick that ran for that seat in the 2000s, and God, I'm going to confuse it with his father, but I don't think I am. I think it was Rob. If he's listening, he's going to kill me if I don't remember this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at any rate, uh, that is going to be a, a highly contested race. Okay. Uh, and uh, moving along, uh, the uh, the 26th uh, district, which was Christian Mitchell's uh, mm-hmm. district. Do I have that correct? Yes, yes. I do. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Ben, yep. and uh, Cam Buckner is a wonderful replacement for Christian, uh, state representative, and Mark Lovelace has run for, I think, everything at least once and lost, So, um, but we're going to be with Cam. The 27th, Justin Slaughter is another pro-choice incumbent state rep who has two challengers. And, and the 27th district for 10 points used to be represented <laughs> by... Al Riley, no, no, that was 38. Yeah, Al, uh, yeah, Al Riley's outside of the city. Yeah. Uh, wasn't that, I'm blanking, I asked the question and then I thought you would know it wait. for certain. I believe it was young Ken Duncan, wasn't it not? No, no what was that Duncan's? was Juliana Street, and that was six, that was... Oh, you're right, I yeah, sit correct. Not six, but Yeah, five, Ramon Robinson. Seven, yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, so I can't no, remember. 27th, who is that? That's because Will Burns was the fourth. I, I don't know. That's okay. trivia that I can't remember okay, right Frank, now. Frank, get to work. Get to, <laughs> poor Frank's <laughs> overloaded. All right, so these are... Uh, I'm embarrassed. You're embarrassing me, and this yeah. is all on tape. Um, yeah, no, you can't lie yeah. about it. That's the beautiful uh, thing. We're not uh, going to cut it either. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to keep it there. So, uh, Ben, could you edit that out? Uh, no. Uh, no, no, no. So, right. Jamie Andrade in the 40th, he's been a pro-choice leader on uh, Northwest Side, really 
Oh, he comes Wonderful. on the show all the time. It's part he, of our Northwest does side. Does he really? Blue. Yes, Ray, he's a regular on the show. Isn't he? Jamie is yeah, so he's a character. Solid. He is a character. <laughs> he is a character. <laughs> I mean, I love the whole thing about him driving Uber. So, uh, uh, All right, we have time for one yes. more. Dennis is saying we have to go. So give me the most important uh, in the city. Oh, d- seat in the that's... city. In the city. I think we're done with the city okay. now. We've moved out of the city. Um, I'll just, because it's my favorite, um, Peter Breen is back in 48 in that DuPage County. Yes. You know, oh, my God. Darren we'll talk about that. Yeah. And then in Arlington Heights, of course, uh, Tom Morrison, who's another anti-choice crazy leader out from Arlington Heights uh, or Palatine, uh, he's back. And he only won by 43 votes last time. So Well, um, Peter Breen is running uh, unopposed in the Republican primary, mm-hmm. and Tara Howard is running unopposed in the Democratic right, primary in the 48th. Right. Folks, we will be talking a lot about that race right. after... March, because yes. that's when it'll really kick into okay. gear. Peter Breen is perhaps the most vociferous opponent right. of a woman's right, right to choose in the state yes. of Illinois. Along Would you agree with, with Tom that? Morrison, yes. Yeah, um, the only other race I wanted to mention, I know Dennis is hurrying us along, but I, I just want to personally mention what a fan of state's attorney Kim Fox's uh, personal pack is. Uh, and, uh, Progressive, uh, wonderful, uh, on not just on choice, but on so many things. Well, I appreciate that. A lot of people yeah. throwing uh, Kim Fox under a bus and driving the bus over Kim Fox uh, for Justice Molletgate. And we talk a lot about Justice Molletgate on this show, but I have said this, uh, TC, uh, that uh, I wish, and this is Ben talking, not Terry, but I wish all those people who are calling for uh, Kim uh, Fox's head have been so vociferous and so out front about demanding that a state's attorney uh, really hit hard on an investigation when, oh, Anita Alvarez was the state's attorney and, oh, that the police were investigating uh, Mayor Daley's nephew, okay? So uh, one thing I can't stand is when there are double standards applied in local politics. That's right. Ben Jarofsky's comment of right. the day and on Kim Fox and the ongoing crusade. Shout out dreadful. to Frank. He weighed in here. Michael uh, McCullough. How do I pronounce that last Michael name? Michael McCullough. McCullough. Uh, his father was a Republican committeeman. Yes. Oh, yes, okay. I did know that. Right. Uh, and okay. I believe they named the vehicle, but That's, maybe not. Um, his name is Terry Cosgrove, personal pack. He's the president of. We've gone through this list. I'm going to keep this here because we're going to have political know-it-alls coming in all week to discuss some of these races and some of the ins and the outs and what to look forward to. Uh, Terry, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it as always. I also want to thank Atiba Buchanan. And Monroe Anderson, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois. And as Terry Cosgrove can tell you, back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take out our petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Hey, and remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. Downloaders, we live stream this program. It's true. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time. Oh. Typically, we're on YouTube. We're going to be back up on YouTube in a few days, but you can catch us on the Facebook Live. On Facebook Live. Just find us there. Also, find us on Facebook at Benny J Show, B E N N Y, the letter J Show, and join that Facebook Live stream chat. We'll see you tomorrow. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, 
Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.